Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, episode 7. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business tonight, I've got Dana and I've got Tasha, and guys, we're we're inching closer to the NRL season. Uh, you know, we're getting teased a little bit as fans as we see the trial games uh, commence. You know, you're trying to, Dana, you're trying to work out whether your team's good, are they bad, how many starters are playing, how many people are going to be plumbers come Monday. Um, it's a very interesting situation this time of year. But I guess the exciting part is we get to watch football. It is back, and it's uh, yeah, what a what a great time of year. Guys, let's jump straight into our listener question tonight because, again, you know, we're already we're only just into trials and already we're starting to hear a few controversies in and around officials and refereeing. So I'm going to put it back to you guys. If you had to make one rule change, what would it be and why? Uh, Tash, going to start with you. Yeah, Dan, there's nothing more annoying for me that in extra time they go to the golden point. And I hate seeing the game decided by just that one point, that field goal. So I'm going to make it a golden try. If I could change the rules, that's what I'd do. Yeah, I love that. I think, um, yeah, there's been a few heartbreaking field goals. Adds a bit of theatre, but I think we can, uh, yeah, let's play a little bit of razzle-dazzle and uh, see if we can, uh, yeah, see some uh, crazy tries to secure victory. Dana, what about yourself? I'm just going to chime in and just say I would pay good money to see a golden try because I feel like, it might make the game go for like an extra 20 minutes, but that's what you want in that stressful sitting on the edge of your seat, like atmosphere. Um, But my rule change would be to stop the clock, uh, like the moment after a referee has confirmed a try um, and then kind of add like a, like a shot clock, like they do in basketball. Once it's kind of, yes, your try is confirmed. You've now got 45 seconds to line up and convert. If you don't make that time slot, then you don't get the conversion option. Um, I think that would just kind of help. You know, my dad's always said quick game's a good game. So just kind of help move it along a little bit and, you know, get those extra points on the board, which would then, I guess, attract a bit more of a crowd sometimes. I like it. I, I, I do like it. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, I wouldn't because, you know, kicking percentages, you know, those conversions are very, very low. But now, you know, most of the, the kickers in the game, the elite are kicking up above 80%. So, you know, putting a little bit more pressure on them, I think that could add a little bit of theatre to the game as well. And, uh, yeah, no, I like that for sure. Look, for me, uh, me and Tasha, we were speaking about this um, off-air, and that's, I think it's time. I think we can kind of look at reducing this bench. Uh, the fitness levels, the athleticism of the athletes today, you know, it, it's incredible. And I think one of the things that we saw, you know, when the game was, I guess, slowed down is it really took out some of the, the, the smaller, faster players from the game. Seeing the game speed up last year, I just thought that uh, yeah, it brought a whole different dimension. And I just think that, you know, if we can keep a close eye on this, potentially reduce the interchange back to six players, um, we can bring through a generation of Jaden Campbells in the game. And I think that's going to bring fans through the door, create some exciting football and, uh, and more and more tries. So there we go. There's a few rule changes from Team Mojo. And just to quickly recap on the trials, it was an interesting weekend. Again, you know, how much you ride into this is up to you. But obviously the Raiders got, got the job done uh, against the Roosters, 32 points to 18. Uh, the West Tigers went down in a big way to Manly, 28 points to four. 
Uh, the Warriors got a little bit of an upset, which we might sort of talk about a little bit later. Thirty points to eighteen. I don't want to talk about it over the uh, over the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the Cowboys twenty four points to twelve. The Rabbitohs uh, putting up a strong fight there with a very young team. Uh, and in the Queensland local derby, twenty six all draw. Come back there from the Broncos. 34 points to 6 in an absolute bludger of a contest. Panthers getting the job done there. Dragons, 26 points to 22. And in the Knights game, well, yeah, the Knights putting in a good performance there. Still a lot of, <laughs> uh, let's call it rust, uh, and, and same with the Bulldogs. I just want to go on record. Uh, trials mean nothing. The, you know, the Tigers, the blubbered Tigers, smacked Manly at the start of last year and this year it's the other way around. So, well, maybe the Tigers might have the sort of year that Manly did last year. I just want to back that because, uh, yeah, in the last five years, I don't think the Warriors have beat Melbourne Storm in a game at all. Uh, (laughs) I also noticed they had some of their first string players on and I didn't know half the squad when I was at the game. So, I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, if your team lost, you're definitely not going to take too much away. But if your team won, it's buying Premiership uh, tickets already. So let's see how that one goes. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. Yeah, when you think about champion teams, champion clubs, uh, none other than the Melbourne Storm, a franchise who will be uh, will be focusing in on tonight. Dana, this is going to be your episode. This is going to be your show. I'm going to hand the mic straight to you. But um, you know, Dana, one of the things that I've been envious of when it comes to Melbourne Storm supporters is. Each and every year, you can buy your membership, you can buy your jersey, and you can turn up to those Melbourne Storm football games and. You know, at the start of the season, you know that you're in contention for a premiership. I mean, thinking about sport generally, it's rare. It's very, very special what Craig Bellamy's Craig Bellamy has been able to develop there. But uh, talk to us a little bit about your background, why you decided to support the Melbourne Storm. So it actually comes back to so my dad's the reason I'm so into sport. Um, you know, I'm obviously very into NRL, NRLW, AFL, NBA, NFL kind of any interesting ball sport I've always been around and grown up with, especially living in Melbourne. Um, you know, we are known as the sporting capital. But, um, yeah, it was back in, like, 2011. They just finished building Amy Park and uh, Dad and I kind of went through, we went and went to a Storm game and we went to a Rebels game because they were a new team as well uh, and obviously growing up going to Essendon games through the AFL. Um, and it was honestly what solidified us getting, becoming Storm members was, um, well, from a cost perspective, as a parent, he looked at it going, okay, we get more home games for the same cost compared to the Rebels. Um, but honestly, it was just the atmosphere. Yes, the Rebels were a new team, but, you know, this the atmosphere at Amy Park the second, the music started, you know, Thunderstruck, ACDC, it was the atmosphere that built just from the second you set foot near the stadium. Um, you know, it's just... It's next level, and I think if you get a chance to come to Melbourne and go to a home game at Amy Park, it's unforgettable, and it's just the atmosphere. And, you know, we've now sat in the same seats for the last 10 years. Like, this is my 10th season as a store member, Um, and there's now, like, this whole little crew. There's, like, you know, my dad and I, and there's an older family in front of us who their kids are probably slightly older than me, but they've now got kids as well. So there's, like, generations, and, you know, it's weird that, seeing these people, literally seeing these, these kids from babies grow up and now they're having full conversations at the game. I think 
you know, like the atmosphere and just the relationships you build just from going to games every week and wherever you can has just, that's where I started and that's where I'm at now. And that's why I think the last two years have been so hard on me and many other store members as well, just because we haven't, you know, I've been to three home games in two years and not a single time I sat in the seats I pay for. So, you know, I'm so excited to get back. I'm literally counting down the days until I'm back in that Thursday, 17th of March, against the Rabbitohs and I'm so excited to be back in my seats at Amy Park. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, it's great to hear people's, you know, backgrounds in terms of how they first became fans and what what a, what a club. Uh, Tash, let's co- talk quickly a little bit about Melbourne's background again while we're getting a little bit nostalgic on, on the club because, you know, you think about, you know, new franchise coming into the NRL shortly in the Red Redcliffe Dolphins, they could... They could, I, I guess, you know, do none better than going back and having a look back at Melbourne's history because, you know, when this team came together, they were immediately successful. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you don't see too many poor seasons from the Melbourne Storm. They have just been at the top of the game for pretty much their entire existence. Yeah, Dan, they certainly have. They've got some magic sort of formula that they've got there and Dana's got a big smile on her face as I say that. Um, yeah, look, like... They are rarely out of the top four. Um, so that's amazing, the combinations that they've got, the the culture that they build. Um, but I was just back at what uh, Dana was saying, 17th of March, Dana against South. And uh, I, I was reading earlier in the week, and I don't know whether you're worried or not, but maybe Ryan Pappenhausen won't be there. Is Am I hearing that correctly? I, yeah, look, there's there's some issues coming through with suspensions uh, from last year. I know that. And there's a couple of injuries that have come through um, with training as well. I saw like um, on the trial games, there's a couple pulled out last minute changes the other week. But I haven't heard anything about Pappy. So what do you know that I don't? Well, as you know, he's my ex-student. But um, he's actually just in doubt just for game one. Um, that a little bit of a niggling injury is what I'm hearing. Ah, well, round one's just against the Tigers. We'll be fine. Yeah. And, and Melbourne, uh, I'm sure they'll be able to plug in and play uh, the next generation of player. And, Dana, that was my next question. So I, I guess the theme of this year, and, and I guess we've we've been fooled by this in the past, so I'm, I'm trying not to buy into it, but what, I, what I'm telling you is this is what we're hearing in rugby league circles. Is This, this is the last dance. This is the real last opportunity for the Storm, not necessarily to to be successful. I think they'll always be successful. But this is the year that the Melbourne Storm go out and win a premiership because, you know, well, as you've seen by some of the contract uh, negotiations during the off-season, they haven't necessarily gone Melbourne's way. There's going to be a massive exodus in this club uh, the following year in 2023. Brandon Smith, the Bromwich brothers, uh, Felice Cafusi and others. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? I mean... You know, you're probably not going to tell us that uh, it's all doom and gloom for the future, but do you get a bit of a sense that this is an important year for the Storm? Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it. It's definitely a conversation I had with my best friend when we were at the game on the weekend is that, you know, we were thinking, is this like a last kind of hurrah before we lose that main pack that we've had in our squad for the last five to seven years kind of thing that have put us through, you know, two premierships, four final series and, you know, always having us finish in that top four. Um but, yeah, look, it's, it is a bit scary. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too stressed, uh, mainly just because I know that the kids we've got coming through the system, whether they're from, um, you know, the Queen's, like, 
the Falcons on the Sunshine Coast or you've got the Tigers as well. There are feeder squads um, as well as a couple of kids that are coming through NRL in Victoria as well. Um, there's some incredible, incredible players coming through and, you know, like Jack Howarth has not played a single game of NRL first grade and they signed him for five years. So, you know, that's something that clearly Craig Bellamy, who is the god of coaching, um, <laughs> he clearly he clearly sees something in this kid to for five years is off the bat is incredible. But, yeah, look, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know with all these losses who we're going to get. Um, you know, for example, when we lost Josh Adokar to the Bulldogs for this year, it, he was only allowed out of his contract if there was a a replacement that came in that was suitable to him, which is how we got Xavier Coates. So I think, you know, even watching Xavier play on the weekend, the kid's got potential. It was his first touch with Storm and he got a try. So he's only 20 years old. He, I had a brief chat to him at the Storm Awards in December last year and he said in the four weeks that he'd been at Melbourne Storm, there was more brothers, more friendship and family than he had at the Broncos in three years. So... I'm not too stressed about it. Obviously, it's going to play in the back of my mind, but, you know, you can't think about that. you just got to get through this year and then take it as it comes. Dana, I, I was just thinking, like, how did you feel with uh, the Storm racking up 19 straight wins? Like, you must have been thinking, yep, this is our premiership, but then they saved their best, their worst performance, you know, against the Panthers uh, in, in the final. So were you thinking that this was the year for them? Um, I kind of went into this and I was like, you know, this is the rarity of getting a back-to-back premiership. It's it's tough. Like, it's a tough – and, you know, that Panthers final in 2020 was a tough game to watch. Like, within the last three minutes, we almost lost it because there was a couple juggle balls and just it was all over the place because the stretch and the pressure was hitting them. Um, like some of the players said in some interviews last year, the 19 in a row, like, yes, okay, it was monumental. Like, 20 would have been great because that was the, the actual record, I think, for NRL. But, you know, it's that that means nothing. I would have much preferred the the Panthers streak, how they lost a bunch during um, origin season. They were a bit toey and then they, you know, gunned it to the end and got a granny. I would have much rather that streak throughout the season than to have the, the oh, piss-poor performance I'll call it, for the finals against the Panthers that obviously didn't get us into the grand final. Yeah, no, it was a little bit of a shock, that one, as we saw them go down. But, uh, no, look, I, I, I tend to agree with what you guys are saying in terms of, uh, you know, the future for the club. Um, Tash, the reason why I'm not falling trap into the woe is us, you know, things are collapsing and falling apart at Melbourne, is their spine's still intact, you know what I mean? This is a team that still has Pappenhausen at fullback, a little guy by the name of Cameron Munster at 5'8", a halfback in Jerome Hughes, who I still can't work out how that has come to be, how you can just be a young up-and-coming fullback rejected by clubs and suddenly become a star halfback. I don't know how that's possible, but anything's possible down there in Melbourne. And then, obviously, Harry Grant there. So I think, you know, I think things are going to be really successful there. Uh, and, Dana, you're right. You know, they are going to be decimated. Uh, the club, pretty much all of their forwards are being completely wiped out for 2023. But you're going to have money to spend. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see for the first time ever the Melbourne Storm being in the market buying players and how can you knock back Craig Bellamy when he gets on the phone? So it's going to be really interesting to see who comes off contract and who's going to go down there and, uh, yeah, join join Melbourne. Yeah, that's something else I was going to point out is, you know, we're losing all these big key players, which is a shame, but like you said, we, that frees up so much money in the salary cap um, and touching on the, oh, woe is me, you know, we're going to fall down the ladder kind of thing. You know, people said that 
2017 when Cooper Cronk left, when Billy Slater retired, you know, when it was up in the air about what was going to happen with Cam Smith. You know, we still finish in the top four every year. We still got another grand final. You know, Cam Smith retired at the end of 2020. But without him, you know, we we still made another final series. You know, like the culture and, you know, that comes through Melbourne Storm, I think, is way beyond just these high high value players that I think a lot of people forget because they focus so much on those those players that are playmakers and everyone talks about and you know I think that's just the culture is something that's unbeatable with Melbourne Storm. Yeah no absolutely all right Tash I want to hear one player that you think really needs to stand up uh, for Melbourne to achieve what they want to achieve and that's a premiership for a lot of these departing players so um, yeah one player that you think is going to have to have a big year and then your prediction for the Melbourne Storm this season. Yeah Dan I'm on always backing you with that if you've got a stable spine then your team will will go well. And you mentioned that they they do have a stable uh, spine. But the player that I want to really stand up is, uh, you know, the wizard, Harry uh, Harry Grant. Like, I think he's explosive. He's a game changer. Um, I've I've got a feeling he he will obviously start at the nine and Brandon Smith um, will be at the 13. And Brandon Smith has come come along really, really well. I know they've only got him for this year, but, you know, he was all the time coming off the bench. And so with the extra time and responsibility at the, you know, middle of the season, it was um, struggling a bit, but towards the end he had that nailed. So Harry Grant's the man to stand up. Uh, And do I have to pick where they're going to finish now? Yeah, yeah, give us your prediction. All right, I've got him to top four. Yeah, nice. Excellent. All right, we'll see how that goes. Look, for me, uh, it, it's difficult to pick one. Um, you know, I will just say quickly, uh, I know I'm cheating here with two, but Cam Munster, I think, has to have a – I think he's at a crossroads in terms of his career. He is an absolute superstar of our game, absolutely. If he retired tomorrow, he would go down in the history books. But he is at a crossroads because I think there's more to give. I, I think there is still – a level in which Cam Munster can get to. And he's made a few sacrifices away uh, from the footy field. And I just think there's something special there. If he could level up, I mean, Cam Munster could go down as one of the all-time greats. So a little bit of a uh, a plug there for Cam Munster. But it is the forwards for me. Um, Things are changing a lot for the Melbourne Storm. Nelson Asofa Solomona, he's had quite a publicised off-season. I think they've sort of sorted that out. And Tui Kamakamitha. Those two boys really need to fire in the middle uh, if Melbourne are to compete with the absolute best teams in the competition. All right, Dana, we're always going to give you the uh, last word. Oh, sorry, my quick prediction for the Melbourne Storm is to finish second in the regular season. I'm going to hold back my finals prediction. Uh, At least you're putting us in the finals. That's nice. Um, Yeah, look, it's. I think for me is I've been through all the – I don't want to swear – been all through the stuff that's happened in the last few years with the salary cap issues and the stripping of, you know, premierships and all the all the stuff that comes along with the drama of NRL, um, even recently with Braden Smith and Cameron Munster. But you know what? I'm putting my my pennies on two of the new, I know we're supposed to pick one, but two of the new recruits that we've got coming through. I mentioned it earlier, Xavier Coates, that kid is 20 years old. He is a speed demon. He's got the hands I've never seen, like the skills that I watched on that game on the weekend. I'm so excited to see what he can bring to this squad, filling in for obviously filling that gap that Josh Adokar left when he left. Um, But 
Another one that I'm I'm very excited to see how he grows and how he performs is getting uh, Will Warbrick. He came across from an all-black squad. He's a, a gold medalist from the Olympics. You know, that kid has got some serious talent. Uh, he's very young age. He's tall. He's got the legs of a tree, you know, and I just, as another winger on the other side, I'm so excited to see the speed that they can put on the field and, you know, replacing that. Again, that filling that Josh Adokar shadow, I think, will, will be not a problem at all for these two boys. Where am I finishing on the ladder? Oh, I don't know. I think I've already covered the top two with the Panthers and maybe the Roosters, but I'm just going to shove them out of the way. And I'm going to put Storms definitely in the top three because I'm not, I don't mind where we finish there as long as we get that granny this year. So that's my predictions. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight the match. The most anticipated match. In history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week on the match, we're headed to, well, we're headed up to Brisbane, to the Brisbane Broncos, and we are featuring two young superstars in their system in Tessie New and uh, Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, Tash, you know, it's... It's been a really interesting past few seasons for the Brisbane Broncos. You know, you think back to, you know, some of the early 2000s and, you know, the Brisbane Broncos have just been an absolute powerhouse. It's been slim pickings for the club for quite a few years, but you just get a bit of a sense with, you know, a couple of these players, things are starting to turn around. Let's start with Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, You know, again, still very, very young. Um, You know, he is 19 years of age, six foot three, 100 kilos. Obviously, there's some early comparisons between him and GI, but uh, talk to us a little bit about Selwyn. And yeah, things are starting to get a little bit more exciting for the Broncos. Yeah, Dan, you said it. He's he's been compared to GI so many times, and I think rightfully so. Like he's a he's a big lad, as he said. He's six foot three, um, over a hundred. Uh, kgs but he just seems to glide across the ground so effortlessly so he's like great to watch he's entertaining Um, the potential he has is scary and you know I'm hoping that he's committed to doing everything he can to reach that potential and I hope he's given every chance to succeed Dana, yet another Queenslander uh, looking at his stats here so Cobo you know another Queenslander and you know, he, he just, there are some players that, you know, come into the competition and you just know that, you know, this player three, four, five years time, we could be looking at someone who's truly special. So I guess the challenge for the Broncos at the moment is, you know, finding, I guess, a, a balance of, you know, getting him some reps, getting him some games under his belt, slowly building his confidence, but at the same time knowing that, you know, they've got someone pretty special here. Yeah, look, you know, we mentioned he only debuted last year, but we can't, talk down to him. This kid scored a try in his second game of NRL. You know, like he's very obviously come up through the system in the Bron- in Broncos, but he's a very versatile player. You know, he can play center, fullback. He's a winger. He's got the speed and the agility for an outside back as well. Like he's got the ability and the capacity to fill any gap that Brisbane need or have within their squad. Um, you know, and I think that's something that they need to focus on because they have, you know, continued to finish in that bottom half of the ladder recently so I think that he's going to be a great attribute and like you said he could with the right training the right coaching and if he pushes himself and the club help push him I think he'll be yeah one of one of the greats if he stays up there and keeps his head down and just focuses on the game and Tash the other thing that I guess you know will 
demonstrate whether the Broncos have changed, is whether they can keep Selwyn Cobbo. Obviously, they've been through so many challenges. They've lo- they lost so many high-quality players in Reese Walsh. You just get a bit of a sense that, you know, with Kevy there, you know, Ben Iken joining the club, this will be a really big test for the Brisbane Broncos. Can they hold on to Selwyn Cobbo? And if they can, maybe we're starting to see this club really bounce back to where it should be. Yeah, well, we've been waiting for them to bounce back for, for quite a while now. And I think uh, maintaining players like Selwyn is, is part of what they really need to do before we can start saying, oh, the Broncos are back. You know, they're back to their former glory. So this year will be a telling year for them. Um, new coaching staff might be the, the difference they need. I'm not sure, but certainly maintaining their their players like Selwyn Cobbo is, is, you know, a marker as to whether or not they're going to bounce back. All right, Dana, let's jump over and have a look at his competitor tonight. And it appears to be, you know, possibly that the starting fullback for the Broncos this year, you know, they've sort of come out and said that Tessie, uh, new has the has the lead in there for the fullback role. I uh, got a bit of an injury, so may miss the first couple of rounds. But talk to us a little bit about Tessie, a, a different style of ath- athlete at five foot ten, uh, but still ninety five kilos. He's solid as a rock. Uh, talk to us about Tessie. Yeah, I was. You took the words right out of my mouth, Dan. I was going to say, like like I've said on many occasions, I would not want to be running at this man. You know, like I said, five foot ten, almost a hundred kilos, built like a brick, but. You know, his stats, can't go past it. He's played 16 games last year. He's got eight tries. That's one in two tries per game kind of thing, you know. They've mentioned he's got the work ethic that could push him very far. Uh, and I think, like like Selwyn, if he focuses, I, it'll be great. But I think he's also a, a player that they're going to have to fight to keep because he's going to be one of those playmakers that'll help Brisbane maybe not get the top eight, but just kind of push themselves a bit more, develop themselves. But, you know, these both these kids have come from the Broncos Academy. And if this is a display of what the future holds for the Broncos, I've got no doubts that they'll be back in those final series eventually. But I think it's just going to take a little bit more time than than those fans wish it would. Yeah, Dana, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, the Broncos haven't been going well, but, you know, Tessie knew he was one of the shining lights in in a pretty poor um, year for the Broncos. And, you know, I'm, I feel for the guy. He's only young. He, he lost his dad earlier this year. Um, and, you know, he's now done his hammy and it's four to six weeks. I just really hope he takes these things, these hard hits that he's been dealt with this year um, and, you know, use that as motivation and drive to really reach that potential that we all know that he has. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that Brisbane Broncos fans will be hoping is he's actually the first cousin of David Fafida, so maybe he has a bit of a word to his cousin and says, hey, please, please come back because uh, that was a huge loss for the Brisbane Broncos. But no, look, Tessie knew a uh, very high, you know, a, a huge talent, and, and I guess you know there would be no debate here in terms of his long-term success at the club. It's just they find themselves in an interesting situation at the moment where they have a lot of talent in the outside backs, including Selwyn, so it's definitely an interesting debate. All right, guys, speaking of debate, no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. We've got to pick our player here. Dana, I'm going to start with you. Two different footballers, um, both equally talented, though. Oh, you know what? I've got I've got a list of both the things and, you know, all the attributes that both these these boys have, and it is actually so difficult. I don't think it's ever been more difficult to just pick one player um, for the Broncos. But, you know, I think Selwyn Cobo just has has that extra oomph and that extra something that I think would help push the Broncos that little bit further. You know, he's got that speed, but he's 
you know, as a defender, he's incredible. Like I just think that with the right, like I said, with the right training, with the right coaching, with the right, you know, agility, he would just blossom and just be an incredible player. So I'm going to go sell on Cobo. Yeah, look, for me, I, I think sometimes when you get players that are pretty similar, you know, in terms of their quality, it, it's not often who, who's the best player, but it's also, you know, what player could succeed in another role. Um, so for me, I think Tessie New is, is sort of as um, shone in the centre role. So for me, I, I'd, I'd be looking at Tessie as a potential centre for the club. And uh, yeah, look, it, it's Selwyn. It's Selwyn for me. I, I just think he has the ability to kind of, you know, be that be that additional playmaker that the Brisbane Broncos have, and they need an X factor in this team. They need someone who, you know, opposition fear, and I just feel like Selwyn is that is that player. Uh, Tash, what about yourself? Yeah, I agree. I'm going with uh, Selwyn as well. I just he's so exciting to watch. Like he can change direction in the blink of an eye without losing any any sort of pace. Um, so I really think he's got such a promising future that you know by the you know, in 10 years, 15 years' time when we're talking about him at the end of the career, I think he will have, you know, achieved everything the game has to offer. So it's Selwyn for me. Is this the first time we've had a clean sweep since I've been on the I show? What it's, uh, yeah, very much like that. So that uh, that probably puts, uh, you know, I don't know, it's either a good thing or bad thing for Selwyn. We'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it. But, uh, no, very talented player and, um, yeah, obviously I'm a Knights supporter here, but it is good to see Brisbane Broncos starting to uh, rebuild and get back to where they were. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we continue with our Legends series and reflect on some of the all-time greats that have retired from our favourite football clubs. And this week... Well, it's a club that, uh, yeah, I've had a few run-ins with in the past. This is the manly Warringah Seagulls, the arch enemy of my beloved Newcastle Knights. But, uh, yeah, shout-out to my old man, massive fan of the manly, and I've seen a lot of these players, uh, unfortunately, uh, put the sword to the Knights. Uh, Tash, thinking about all of the amazing players that have played for manly, where are you going here? Who's your all-time favourite retired manly Warringah Seagull? I'm going with Phil Blake. Cast your minds back. He debuted uh, in 1982. Dana, I don't think you were even born, but I actually have thought. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he played just 14 games in 1982 and he managed to score nine tries. And then the following year, get this, 1983, he ends up scoring 27 tries from just 23 games. And that record was only just beaten last year in 2021 by Turbo. So an outstanding player, exciting to watch. He was just one of the those attacking weapons when back then the game was so defensively oriented. Um, so it was always exciting when he got his hands on the ball. So good old Phil, Phil Blake. Yeah, absolutely. An all-time club legend, that's for sure. Look, for me, I've got to go with a bit of a podium here, guys. I'm really struggling because, I, again, I just think of all of these great players that used to torment uh, my Newcastle Knights. I think, I think about... Well, I think about this duo, you know, Steve Menzies and Cliffy Lyons, you know, you can't have one and not the other. Their combination was, I I guess, the purest form of playmaking and the ability to run a line. I I mean, you know, the the defense each and every week knew exactly what Cliffy and Steve and Beaver were going to do and they could not defend it. So, yeah, that, that sort of 
Cliffy's ability to put Steve through a hole, um, it was incredible. Uh, but for me, my all-time favourite Manly, Manly play would have to be Tuves, Jeff Tuvey. Uh, you know, just one of those, I, I think... I think toughness is the first thing that comes comes to mind when you think about Jeff Tuvey. Um, you think back to that 1997 grand final where Adam McDougall, now $400 million man, I'll have to reach out to your Dukes for a bit of a sponsorship there, but uh, when he ran over the top of Jeff Tuvey and he stayed in the game, I mean, Jeff is as tough as they come, but... Also, I think what's a little bit underrated is his representative career. He was a he was a high quality player. So Jeff Tuvey for me, and Dan, not only high quality player Jeff Tuvey, but you know a high quality bloke. I, I loved it, and he's done it the last few years. He runs water out for the Queensland t- women's team in the state of origin. So you know what a top bloke. Yeah, no, he's definitely a big part of their culture there. That's for sure. Uh, Dana, what about yourself? So the Manly that I know uh, is the club that you love to hate. So I've kind of gone back to, like Tasha's man, uh, to a time before I was even a thought in my parents' world. Um, So I've picked Michael O'Connor. So 1987 he signed with Manly uh, and gave them a premiership that year as well. So he scored uh, 14 of the 18 points that they scored against the Raiders who finished with an 18-8 score. Um, you know, that is incredible and had a 100% conversion rate with most of his games as well, which I think, like we mentioned earlier, back in the day, that was just, it was very rare to get that accuracy in those skills. Um, you know, he went on to play the World Club Championship Challenge. Uh, obviously, they did lose to Wigan, but again, he got a goal and that's the only score they had. Um, you know, after he you know, finished playing, he went on to coach the Australian Rugby Sevens for six years. Um, and gave him a silver medal at the Commonwealth Games, which I think is just a, an incredible transition to have from a playing perspective because, you know, he was incredible on the field and then to be able to change that mentality and go into that coaching, coaching role uh, and just you know, go to the Olympics, which is a whole different era to the NRL, I think is just incredible. So, yeah, Michael O'Connor, what a legend. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Some of those conversions uh, in those old, you know, state of origins for the New South Wales Blues. That, uh, yeah, Dana, we, uh, I love that one. Definitely jumping on board with you, with you there. All right, guys, look, that's uh, all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, yes, you've heard that right. The NRL season, it's finally here. Trials are underway. We're back. And, uh, you know, the content's going to continue to run here, here at Mojo Sports, continue to help us grow, uh, share the podcast with family and friends, continue to download each one of our episodes. And until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.